I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, and good afternoon, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry, and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. This is episode uh, number 12 of this weekly series, and uh, this week I think we have uh, um, a pretty interesting topic. It's not as passionate and heated as some of the discussions uh, have been that have made it into the, the national spotlight and with mainstream media, but this is nonetheless a topic that quite a few people do bring up or ask me about in a variety of circumstances, so I figured we needed to get it addressed. So, um, hi Jeff, I'm not sure what the comment about me being blocked on uh, on uh, YouTube is, but uh, he's uh, saying that uh, we should all move to um, Rumble, and uh, we do have this live streaming on uh, Rumble as well today, so uh, please feel free to join us over there if you're on a different platform and encountering any kind of issues. Um, all right, so uh, today I um, want to first remind you guys or let you know if you didn't already hear that we have our Restore Freedom Weekly newsletter that has uh, finally started to go out again. We began the newsletter um, at the beginning of 2021 and had several um, versions or editions of it. And uh, then with the challenges of 2021 continuing to build, we were unable to get any, any of those editions uh, out the remainder of the year uh, or in the first couple of months of 2022. But uh, fear not, your one-stop shop for weekly updates is now available. So please feel free to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, you can do so on our website. There's a link down at the bottom on uh, the main page, as well as on our um, resources tab and also our contact us page. So uh, this week is... Um, uh, one of my favorites as far as our Restore Freedom uh, weekly goodie goes. This is one that I have put on uh, my vehicles and my dad has put one on his vehicle and uh, several um, other people have put these on and it's great. This is our, um, of course it's going to blur it out, but uh, our Restore Freedom, More Freedom, Less Government um, three inch by 24 inch car magnet. We would love for you to help support our mission to restore freedom by purchasing one of these at our cost. We don't make any money. In fact, I had to, um, go ahead and set a, uh, price that I'm hoping the U S postal service will actually, um, follow through on, on using and not increase it on me too much. So I don't continue to lose money on sending these items out. But uh, anyway, it is uh, $16.99 and that does cover the cost of shipping. 
Uh, at least I hope it does. But anyway, it's one low flat fee for you. We would ask that you get those to put on your vehicles, um, especially uh, vehicles that kind of have that contour and are a little too hard to have any kind of bigger magnet or on your front door or on a mailbox or a variety of other places that are magnetic. We would love to have that support uh, as you probably saw. There is a QR code in the middle here, which um, allows people that see the magnet to be able to um, um, scan it with their phone and it'll take them right to our website and they'll be able to see all the, the hot topic links, so to speak. And uh, of course, today is one of those days where I have invisible hair uh, in my eye and stuck to my face. There we go. <laughs> so um, at any rate, uh, so it's a, it's a good, simple way to let people know you support restoring our freedom and that you love uh, more freedom and less government and giving people that option to scan that QR code to get the resources uh, that are available online for free. So um, we also want to make sure that we are starting this conversation off right by focusing on what is God's word on this topic and it's important as we go into any kind of um, rumors or uh, conspiracy theories or anything of that nature that we're determining whether something is actually true before we're deciding to pass it along, uh, you know, down the grapevine or that telephone game that we played when we were in elementary school. So with that being said, I want to turn to Matthew 10 verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So I'm assuming you guys probably know what innocent means, but I wanted to make sure we were on the same page about what shrewd really means in this context. So we can uh, look actually at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which tells us that being shrewd is marked by Clever, discerning awareness, discerning awareness, and common sense. I love that. It actually says common sense. Something I talk about us needing to have and exercise all the time. And uh, also, 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's very important. That's something that I'm hopefully instilling in you if uh, it wasn't already there or just encouraging it if it was already there. The idea, the notion, the concept of uh, testing the information, checking for yourself the information that people give to you, because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, we assume are all on our side of, of freedom or constitutionalism or, you know, biblical values or any of that. And um, so many times we're led astray, sometimes because the individual or the organization is purposely leading us astray. Sometimes they are totally well-intentioned, but they have the information wrong. So my goal is for you on any of these topics to uh, be able to test that information out, to really look and see for yourself the first-hand accounts or the source documents, 
to not just believe everything you see in here, even from me, that you double check for yourself, which is why I give you the resources or freedom fighting tools of the of the week so that you are empowered to take back and restore your freedom. Colossians 2, 8 says that, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's very important. And I guess ironic uh, to me personally, because one of my majors in undergraduate education was uh, philosophy. I have an actual degree in philosophy. And uh, it's interesting the kinds of conversations that we had back then, um, especially, you know, getting towards our senior capstone courses and things like that, and uh, metaphysics and all kinds of other things, uh, really questioning reality. <clears throat> and uh, my faith was not very developed or strong at the point that I was learning all these things and, and having these philosophical discussions. So I can only think now of what those courses would have meant to me had I had a stronger um, biblical background going into them. But uh, again, Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. It is extremely important that we, uh, again, are discerning and looking uh, and deciphering what is hollow, not backed up with any facts or evidence, no proof, uh, things that are just um, deceptive and meant to confuse or steer us off course. And then lastly, Proverbs 15, verse 14, and these are all the NIV translation. Uh, and this one, I think, sums it up quite well. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. And that's so awesome. I'm just going to say it out loud one more time. In Proverbs 15, verse 14, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. So uh, at any rate, I um, think that those are good indicators of what God wants for us, what his, his desire for us is, and that is to be discerning, to use that common sense, to have that discerning awareness, um, not be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies. So it's with that frame of reference that I'm hoping we will um, be, begin this conversation today. And uh, in order to help facilitate you on, uh, on the discussion and on deciding whether things are true or not, uh, in order to um, put you in the driver's seat and, and having that roadmap to be able to figure out what is the truth and whether um, there's any um, factual basis to this allegation or um, uh, conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, that uh, bar attorneys in the United States have actually sworn an allegiance to the crown of England. And uh, so they cannot actually represent you in court that um, by using the term Esquire that indicates it's it's an English um, uh, um I don't know, signifier or title of nobility. Uh, that's where the discussion comes in to some people bringing up the um, 
original 13th Amendment. There's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of all revolves around the concept that um, all U.S. bar attorneys uh, are, according to this uh, theory, that all U.S. bar attorneys are um, members of the British Accredited Registry or British Accreditation Registry and have thus sworn an oath to the crown of England. So uh, what are the tools that can help you with uh, this discussion? Uh, I've put them as links to uh, in the description of this video. You can see uh, the first one is uh, the Michigan Courts website. It's the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct for Attorneys. Now, there is an American Bar Association, the ABA, but it is a voluntary association, and most attorneys, by and large, are actually not members of the American Bar Association. They, at least when I graduated from law school, the ABA essentially gave you a free membership upon being sworn in, and... Uh, you know, you had that first year to be able to access all their uh, information and, and publications and whatnot. But uh, most attorneys that I know never did renew that. Um, so I'm not going to lead you down a rabbit hole of um, talking about uh, things that, you know, people are not necessarily members of. All right. So um, looks like my computer's lagging a little bit. I'm going to try to go through some of these things and get some tabs closed and see if that helps. Um, the second one is the courts um, website, the Michigan courts website that shows the rules concerning the state bar of Michigan. Now, some states have a voluntary bar association like the state of Minnesota, where I was first licensed to practice. Uh, the state of Michigan is one of them that, that is a mandatory membership in order to be a licensed attorney in uh the state of Michigan. And uh, so those uh, those links, like I said, because there is no mandatory U.S. bar uh, or American Bar Association, uh, what I'm providing to you are the Florida and Michigan examples of uh, rules for um, attorneys and uh, the rules concerning the state bar, etc. If you are not in the state of Michigan or the state of Florida, I'd still ask you to take a look at at least the table of contents of the documents that I have uh, in the, the resources this week so you can have an understanding of what you would be looking for and then you'd be able to be in a better position to be able to find those resources for your own state. Uh, the next one, there's two actually. The uh, they're still part of the same set of rules, but it's two different chapters. I wanted to bring your attention to so the rules regulating the Florida bar, chapter one and chapter four. Those are available here uh, in the description of the video. Chapter one is the general rules. Uh, chapter four is more of that uh, rules for professional conduct, and uh, those are basically analogous to the other ones that I provided to you for the Michigan links. Um, the last one is floridabar.org. It's their frequently asked questions from directly from or at the Florida Bar. And I think there's some very good questions on there and some important links that you can find. So those are the resources, the freedom fighting tools that I have for you this week. What I want to do is take a brief moment to kind of walk you through some of those. And um, we are, uh, yeah, 
I'm going to skip over some of the, well, no, I'm going to start by going to, let's see here. I'm going to share my screen with you guys again. Okay. So um, the allegations or, or discussion or the, the theory behind today is that uh, the British Accreditation Registry is uh, something that all U.S. attorneys are secretly a member of, and that means they have secretly sworn an allegiance to the Crown of England. Well, uh, this, it, it, I just searched for British Accreditation Registry or British... Um, um, accrediting registry, whatever they, you know, different, uh, versions that it's known under. And I came across this, um, it's a little, I don't know. Some of you have probably seen it, but the interesting thing is it has no indicators on the document directly as to who wrote it, uh, when it was published, who it's been shared with besides just generally being on their website, but, uh, they call it bar facts. And uh, they start with the British Accreditation Registry. Um, the, uh, they talk about Commonwealth jurisdictions and you have um, bar associations. It, it, there's, they really start to they start off on the wrong foot right here. But uh, the, uh, they go on to kind of talk about practicing law without a license and uh, then goes on to some incorrect historical uh, topics here. And um, so one of these statements is he, I don't know who the he is. He is the author of this. I don't know. He is also sick and tired of lawyers being given special status when the truth is that any attorney who has been accepted into the bar has become part of a foreign organization, the British Accreditation Registry. And he says, let's examine this. The British Accreditation Registry, the bar to which lawyers pass a test for and are seemingly proud of, and there's no proof. There's no indication of anything. There's no links. There's no uh, actual examination of this topic. But, um, and he continues, in fact, to make it perfectly clear, the writer considers 99.9% .9 of lawyers as complete waste in regards to the administration of justice and not worthy to set foot in a place that is to be guided by reason and common sense. Um that's interesting. I actually would agree with the main concept behind that. I too, this is not a popular statement to make as a licensed attorney in several jurisdictions, but I'm a licensed attorney in several jurisdictions. And I would agree that quite a few lawyers who are licensed or currently admitted to practice in various jurisdictions across the United States um, are a waste in regards to the administration of justice. Uh, I would say quite a few are worse than just being a waste. They're not just sitting there like a bump on a log, not helping further or pursue justice, but oftentimes attorneys, um, whether it be a defense attorney or a prosecuting attorney or uh, a state attorney general or anything like that, oftentimes we're seeing, and more and more, 
where these attorneys are actively pursuing unjust outcomes. And uh, that's concerning to me as well. So um, interestingly enough, this, um, this uh, whoever this is that's writing this, and let's see, what was the website again? Um, let me see if I can find it here for you. NationalLibertyAlliance.org is where I got this. Uh, the They talk about the British accredita Accreditation uh, Registry or Bureau, and I think they actually found uh, something that is a real thing, but they're not getting the facts quite correct. And we'll go over that in just a minute. Um, so... Anyway, the, um, oh, I don't know, uh, in his section called The Silent Conquest, thus we may conclude that the allegiance of bar attorneys is not to the law established by the Constitution and therefore not to the sovereign. Okay. Um, and uh, he talks about being, you know, having the title of Esquire and uh, being a member of the Florida bar, et cetera. And this goes, this nonsense goes on and on and on. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, and uh, just, well, we'll get back to that next piece in a minute. Okay. So uh, the first, oh, I was going to give that link to you guys and I decided against it. So I'm going to skip on. Okay. So the first link of your freedom fighting tools is actually uh, for the Michigan rules of professional conduct. And it, this applies to attorneys. It says it was last updated last September 3rd. And uh, if you go there, you can look through there um, as a PDF viewer. It has all the table of contents where you can click on that on the left-hand side and be able to see uh, certain areas. But you can see the whole... the the rules of professional conduct. So once you're an attorney, what kind of conduct are you required to follow? And um, it even breaks it down into different types of topics. Um, but uh, there's some pretty good stuff in here. And I would suggest that you start digging into this because uh, there's there is uh, a fair amount of really good stuff right here in the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct, which I'm going to, you know, let's lay it out there. It's going to be largely similar to the Rules of Professional Conduct in other states as well. Um, Minnesota and, you know, other, other states, most other states, if not all other states. Um, the second link I have for you is the rules concerning the State Bar of Michigan. Now, if you go and you get a copy of the um, Michigan Rules of Court from Westlaw, you are generally going to get the, um, the version that has the um, rules of civil procedure and the rules of criminal procedure. And uh, I don't remember, it's behind me, but uh, there's uh, a few other things, but you'll also see those rules of professional conduct that we just talked about and the rules concerning the State Bar of Michigan. And this talks about membership and rule 15, uh, you'll see here is admission to the bar. Uh, and then 16 talks about the unauthorized practice of law. So uh, that's information that goes directly to, especially Rule 15 and Rule 16, goes to the topic we're talking about today. Um, and the next one is the rules regulating the Florida Bar. Uh, 
and uh, I'm going to point out something here when we come back into our full discussion. And uh, that was uh, chapter one. Chapter four, rules of professional conduct. And it starts with the preamble of a lawyer's responsibilities, which is our rules of professional conduct in Michigan do the same thing as well. And the Florida Bar Frequently Asked Questions uh, is the last link that I have for you. And um, we'll go over uh, later on the oath of admission to the Florida Bar, the actual oath, what it looks like. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I'm going to um, come back out of that and um, begin... Um, more of our discussion. Uh, so I want to go through the topic for today before I really get into today's or this week's Get Involved Challenge. And I think it'll make sense a little bit more when you have the background of what the information is and the resources and how to utilize them. Uh, and then be able to hear what the challenge is so you can dive in uh, right away. But uh, today's topic, as you have probably gathered by now, is the truth about allegiance of U.S. bar attorneys. Do U.S. bar attorneys swear an allegiance to or an oath to uh, the crown of England? Uh, do are, are bar attorneys part of the British accredited registry? Uh, well... <laughs> Um, we talked about what that rumor or conspiracy theory is. Simply, uh, simply put, in the most simplistic terms, uh, if you have been accepted to the bar, any bar in the in the United States, then you are actually a secret member of the British accredited registry, and so therefore you have an oath or an allegiance to the Crown of England. That is what the uh, the theory is. Well, I guess I want to share with you that I've always wanted to be a mermaid. Uh, so I'm going to tell you right now and publish it all over the web that I am a mermaid. Beautiful, beautiful mermaid. And I can swim through the ocean and I, you know, rest up on islands and I have creatures of the sea for friends and I can leap out like, you know, you see dolphins doing, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, that probably sounds very strange. But my point is, does simply saying I'm a mermaid make it true? This is where we need to use that common sense, that discernment that quest for learning and understanding and knowledge of facts. We need to use that to determine what is the truth here on this topic. So what is the British Accreditation Registry? Does it exist? Now, I had previously said when there was the hot topic of uh, Merlena's Bistro in West Michigan uh, and the... Um, MDHHS and the state of Michigan essentially was uh, shutting down her restaurant last year and uh, throwing her in jail. And um, she had the, the legal assistance of uh, an unlicensed attorney who uh, ended up getting thrown into jail himself. And he's uh, Rick Martin with the Constitutional Law Group. I did a video talking about it because a lot of people that were supporting him uh, in his um, involvement in, in Merlena's case, were bashing 
bar attorneys, uh, but I'll say for the wrong reasons. And uh, I don't know so much if Rick Martin has really jumped on this bandwagon. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I have spoken with him directly or visited his website. But uh, I don't believe he's one that's really encouraging much of this misinformation. Um, but it is being circulated out there. So uh, basically, my concern in that case was that given those specific facts, he was portraying himself as a licensed attorney. He was lying to the court. He was um, claiming that he was representing Marlena in that official capacity as a licensed attorney. And so when you commit a fraud upon the court, when you're telling them information that's not true, regardless of the subject, I have a problem with that. We're supposed to be about truth and justice here in the United States. And that having any case based upon lies or misinformation, uh, manipulation, that's, that's where our system gets perverted. That's where our system of justice starts to break down. So um, do I agree that you should have to have a license in order to practice law? Um, by and large, no. I actually think it's the same as getting your hair cut or going to, you know, a mechanic or having a carpenter come and work on your house. You should be able to hire anybody that you think uh, would do a good job uh, to come and represent you or, or provide any of those services. But I think what should be required is some sort of indication as to whether the person is licensed. So, for example, I could advertise that I'm a Michigan licensed attorney or a United States Supreme Court uh, licensed attorney or a Saginaw Chippewa Tribal Court licensed attorney uh, or any of the other jurisdictions that I'm licensed in. I could uh, advertise that I am an attorney who's licensed to practice in those jurisdictions. But if I wanted to go to New York or California or Ohio or something like that, um, I'm not a licensed attorney in those jurisdictions, so I can't advertise that I'm licensed, but I think, why shouldn't I be able to go and represent people if they want me to and I want to do that work? I can read their laws and the Constitution, just like I'm, I'm a resident of Florida now. I'm a resident of Florida, but I'm not a licensed attorney in the courts of Florida, but I have actually read the entirety of Florida statutes and all of their court rules and the rules of appellate procedure and the rules for attorneys, you name it, because of a personal situation we found ourselves in last year when we were moving down here and our attorney died um, right in the midst of the most important part of our case and the court didn't allow us any time to find another attorney. So I was forced to equip myself with the knowledge of going through all that. And then at that point, I actually knew more about the way the law worked in uh, that in our case and that type of law than the other attorney or than the judge who was filling in on our case because uh, as they both said on the record in court, they didn't really have experience. The judge said, I don't even know how the law works on these kinds of cases. Well, I shouldn't be discredited simply because I was not a licensed attorney uh, down here. 
when I could cite exactly which laws, which cases, which court rules, you name it, supported my positions, and the other side could not. So uh, anyway, I'm. this is not a video talking about how bar attorneys are far superior than mere mortals who uh, are not licensed attorneys. No, this is a video uh, exclaiming, exclaiming, explaining the truth or not of the rumor of whether bar attorneys are part of the British accreditation registry uh, and whether bar attorneys have an allegiance to the crown of England. So, all right. Um, so that British accreditation registry, here we go. I actually was of the belief uh, when I did that video last year that it was either the end of 2020 or beginning of 2022 when I did that video. And I said, the British accreditation registry doesn't exist. I'm pretty sure that's what I said, because I didn't think it did. Um, it certainly does not exist for attorneys, but follow me here. Their website is bar slash registrars.org. And um, it is bar accredited certification improves assurance on credibility of certified organizations. That's a lot of what? I'm an attorney and it sounds like what? But if you look at it, they have quality management, environmental, British version of OSHA, health and safety, information security. So they have all kinds of certifications. Again, quality management, environmental, health and safety, information security. It has nothing to do with being a U.S. licensed attorney. Absolutely nothing. It's just ridiculous. So I would invite you to look at their website. Uh, it's the British, let's see, they, British Accreditation Registrar. And they have the British Accreditation Registry. So this is it. It does exist, but not for attorneys. So uh, what's interesting, though, is if we're going to be so upset about the English or British or whatever uh, origins of some words like the bar, uh, any kind of English roots or ties or origins to any terms we use here in the United States or um, any, you know, professions or rules or laws or anything like that, any government institutions, then, <laughs> well, we would have to essentially erase and rewrite our entire vernacular as a country because, let's face it, uh, although I personally don't have uh, English heritage, um, mine is mostly uh, Finnish and German. But, um, well, my husband has a lot of English heritage, so my daughter does, and well, my, our kids do. Um, but regardless of what your personal heritage is, our country as a whole was founded, by and large, from the, on the backbone of our experience as a, a British colony, as an English colony. And the, the things that we call things, you know, the names that we call things or the concepts of how our society works together or functions or different ways that we created our government to be designed, everything like that. It, it has its, its basis, its origin 
in English history, in, in the history of England. So whether it followed the same trajectory or not is not at, at issue here. It's uh, just saying that's where a lot of our um, our law or history in general comes from. So when you're in law school and you start off in property 101 as a first year law student and you're learning about property rights, uh, most often you're going to begin your coursework with, um, in fact, I have mine. I do. Give me a second. All right. So this is my first year. This is my first year of law school, Duke and Minier and Cryer, property from Aspen Publishers, fifth edition. They probably have the 72nd edition by now. Um, but I'm going to open up just out of curiosity. What is the first case that they talk about? Well, they talk about uh, first possession, acquisition of property, discovering, capturing, or creating. And... I'm going to skip over to where we talk about that. And we have quotes starting here uh, from the 1500s, from 1545. <laughs> first come, first served. That's how my law school property book starts off. And then um, we go into full discussion. The um, I'm not sure what that is. Um, at any rate, we then go into discussions on a lot of cases that are from early um, American history. But we also need to look at uh, some of the old English cases to really understand property law concepts. Where did they come from? You know, where did the concept of dower come from? Well, it's not something that we created. So at any rate, um, we can't just throw out the baby with the bathwater and get rid of all of the vernacular we have and uh, the history we have because uh, it started in another country. Does that mean we have an allegiance or an oath to that other country? Absolutely not. Um, but let's look at some of those terms that uh, are being involved here, where, where this conspiracy theory uh, revolves around. So looking at bar, okay, we're going to look at Black's Law Dictionary, which hopefully uh, many of you did end up, if you didn't already own one, then you have now purchased a Black's Law Dictionary, hopefully used one that saved you quite a bit of money over new, but uh, unabridged and not a pocket edition, as we talked about in uh, our episode a few weeks ago. But the bar is in the Black's Law Dictionary defined in a courtroom. It's the railing that separates the front area where court business is conducted from the back area, which provides seats for observers by extension, a similar railing in a legislative assembly. So there's also the gallery uh, where, you know, visitors or observers uh, can uh, 
stand or sit to watch legislative sessions, but also in the courtroom, but it's, it's the bar. Uh, it also is described as the whole body of lawyers qualified to practice in a given court or jurisdiction. It's the legal profession or an organized subset of it. So, and that's in large part what they're talking about right here. But uh, this conspiracy theory actually conflates or confuses bar in uh, basically all as, as its use as a noun, its use as a verb, its use as, you know, the test. Uh, a specialty bar, the Black's Law Dictionary points out, is a voluntary bar association for lawyers, voluntary, with special interests, specific backgrounds, or common practices. So, for example, for years I have been a member of the uh, Alternative Dispute Resolution section of the Michigan State Bar, uh, the Children's Law section, the Religious Freedom uh, Law section of the Michigan State Bar. Those are specialty voluntary associations. Um, bar is also defined in Black's Law Dictionary as a particular court or system of courts. And it does say it was originally, originally case at bar referred to an important case tried at bar in the Royal Courts of Justice in London. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of our definitions and terms from our English roots. Bar examination. The bar is often, uh, as it's called, often stands just for simply the bar examination that you have to take in order to become a licensed attorney in a particular jurisdiction. Bar association in that Black's Law Dictionary is described as an organization of members of the legal profession. Uh, local bar associations, bar organizations organized on a local level, such as association within a county or city. Uh, local bar associations are voluntary in membership. So I believe I'm still listed as a member of the bar association of the Ionia Montcalm County. Um, I don't think I'm still um, a member of the Midland or Saginaw Bay bar associations in Michigan, um, but uh, I think I'm still considered a member in the Ottawa County Bar Association in Michigan. A particular court or system of courts, um, sorry, lost my track. Uh, State Bar Association is, is an association or group of attorneys that have been admitted to practice law in a given state. A bar organization on a statewide level uh, oftentimes has compulsory membership like Michigan and Florida. Uh, Minnesota is not one that requires membership in the state bar, but they have a similar process for regulating attorneys and the unauthorized, as they call it, practice of law. Uh, and state bar associations are usually created by statute, sometimes in the state constitution. Unlike voluntary professional development type of bar associations, which the American Bar Association is one of those, state bar associations often have the authority to regulate the legal profession by undertaking such matters as disciplining attorneys and bringing lawsuits against those who engage in the unauthorized practice of law. Okay, so what about the terms esquire, attorney, lawyer, because part of this theory talks about, well, esquire is, you know, essentially denoting that you have a uh, uh, British nobility, and so you have allegiance to the crown. And so the original 13th Amendment says that you can't have, you know, you're kicked out of the United States, you're no longer a citizen, you're treasonous if you have any kind of title of nobility in any kind of foreign government. Okay, Esquire 
and Black's Law Dictionary, a title of courtesy commonly appended after the name of a lawyer. Doesn't say British lawyer. Doesn't say allegiance to the crown because it's not a thing. Attorney, a person who practices law, and it tells you to look at the definition of lawyer. Lawyer, one is who one is one who is licensed to practice law. And what's interesting is that it then says CF and the word attorney, meaning compare or contrast with the definition of attorney. So a lawyer, according to Black's Law Dictionary, is only those attorneys who are licensed to practice law, whereas attorneys um, are people who practice law even if they're not licensed. I find that very interesting. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> What about, we talked about what the definitions of all these terms are. What about being, uh, what does it mean to be uh, a lawyer, an esquire, an attorney? Well, it's best to give you clear examples state by state. So we're going to start with Michigan. And, <clears throat> excuse me, in Michigan, I want you to go, <coughs> excuse me, to the Michigan legislature's website if you want to follow along with where I'm getting this, but it's MCL, which means state statute, 600.901. So if you look at the compiler's note at the bottom, um, which actually cites a 1983 Michigan Supreme Court case, you'll see that it says attorneys have a duty to protect and inform the public. So in terms of uh, the author of that document we found online and a lot of the people that are subscribing to this notion of attorneys, um, bar attorneys in, in the U.S. are, you know, have sworn some sort of allegiance to the crown of England. Uh, we share the same understanding that attorneys are supposed to be advocates for their clients, but they're supposed to be even more than that. They're supposed to, they have a duty to protect and inform the public. And that's why a lot of people are so upset about, well, where have you been as an attorney fighting against everything since, you know, all this craziness began in 2020 or before? Well, those of you who have known me since uh, early 2020 have known I've been there since day one, uh, long before I ever had a YouTube channel or this Facebook page. Uh, you know, I was calling radio stations. I was uh, calling state legislators. I was trying to get the word out to people, letting them know what the truth was and uh, trying to urge people to, to get a hold of their state representatives and their state senators to stop all this craziness uh, once and for all. So I share the frustration, though, that I was one of the only attorneys that was doing that. I have often said in my videos and in my speeches at various events, where are all the other attorneys? What are they doing to truly be a uh, part of that administration of justice to protect and inform the public when something like this on such a massive scale is happening? So uh, also, I wanted to give you a sampling from various sources all over in, uh, in the justice system. Even the Michigan criminal or the model uh, criminal uh, jury instructions say that a public officer is a person who holds public office in the state, either elected or appointed. Okay, that's a public officer. <clears throat> and if you look back at Michigan codified um, 
or compiled laws, MCL 600.901, you'll see that the State Bar of Michigan is a public body whose members are licensed to practice law. So they're public officers, right? State Bar members with that MCL 600.901 are also, quote, officers of the courts of the state of Michigan. So by being an attorney, which is a court officer and a member of a public body, one is in actual service as a public official. Uh, <clears throat> if you jump over to those Michigan rules of professional conduct uh, that we looked at as one of the resources for the week, a lawyer is a part of the judicial system charged with upholding the law. This isn't just prosecutors or defense attorneys or, you know, people that are actually employed by the courts. No, a lawyer, any lawyer, a licensed lawyer is a part of the judicial system charged with upholding the law, having, quote, a duty when necessary to challenge the rectitude of official action and uphold legal process. Apparently, people don't like the truth. Okay. Curtis, if you don't like this topic and you think it's all true, I'd love to hear why it is that you think it is true. Um, but um, that's Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct 1.6 and uh, 1.0 in the preamble. So, uh, in fact, this is something I find interesting that doesn't see a lot of light of day in uh, popular circles or mainstream media or even court discussions, but the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct 8.4, the official comment says that indeed a lawyer may refuse to comply with an obligation imposed by law upon a good faith belief that no valid obligation exists. So if there's some questionable thing out there, something that is, I don't know, some sort of government mandate or actually a state law or, um, you know, anything like that, a court rule, something where uh, it's, it's not constitutional and the attorney knows that and uh, believes that it is the right thing to do to ignore following that requirement, um, the attorney... Um, may refuse to uh, follow through with that obligation. So recap, if you look at just Michigan as an example of what these other states are also doing as well, <clears throat> attorneys are public officials with a duty to defend legal process and the law and to protect and inform the public and need not obey questionable legal obligations. So <clears throat> what does that mean, though, for the, um, the concept of being an officer of the court? So um, being an officer of the court, if you look at the Michigan Constitution, Article 11, Section 1, you can see the oath of public officers where all officers, legislative, executive, and judicial, <clears throat> before entering the duties of, of their office, they have to take 
the following oath that I do solemnly swear I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of this state, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of this office to the best of my ability. That sounds like an oath to the Constitution. That sounds like an oath to the U.S., and in this case, the state of Michigan Constitution. In fact, that sounds an awful lot like the oath specific to attorneys in Michigan. If you look at the State Bar of Michigan, you could probably just simply Google the attorney oath for State Bar of Michigan, but it starts with, I do solemnly swear I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Michigan. I will maintain the respect due to courts of justice and judicial officers. So it then continues to go on to all the ways that the attorneys have duties to their clients and what the attorney is expected and required to do in representing clients and what they're expected to not do, for example, to purposely allow their clients to perjure themselves on the stand and, and uh, stuff like that. So what about the... Um, What about other jurisdictions? Well, look at the, uh, I'm, one of the other places I'm licensed to practice is the Eastern District of Michigan Federal District Court. So trial level courts for the federal level. Uh, in Michigan, it's broken down into Eastern and Western districts. I'm admitted to practice in both, but uh, for ease of example, this is from the Eastern District of Michigan. I do solemnly swear that I will conduct myself as an attorney and counselor of this court with integrity and respect the law that I have read, I love this, that I have read and will abide by the civility principles approved by this court and that I will support and defend the constitution and laws of the United States. I declare under penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct. So there you have it. It's under penalty of perjury that uh, attorneys in order to practice in the Eastern District of Michigan federal district courts are saying that they will support and defend the US Constitution. Nothing about any British accreditation registry, nothing about the allegiance to the queen or the crown of England. The Minnesota um, law on uh, oaths would be Minnesota statute 358.07, it is also where I uh, first was licensed to practice as an attorney. Uh, and it starts, I'll just read what it starts with. I do swear, well, this is written in the U, but I'm going to turn it into I. I do swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and that of the state of Minnesota and will conduct myself as an attorney and counselor at law in an upright and courteous manner. Uh, and then it continues on. Actually, it's so awesome. I'll just read it to you in full. Because this is what most states, this is what most states say in their oath to become an attorney. This is what the bar is actually, bar attorneys are actually swearing an oath to. So again, this is Minnesota statute 358.07, uh, an oath that I have taken in my life as well, uh, many years ago. And uh, it is that you do swear that you will support the Constitution of the United States and that of the state of Minnesota and will conduct yourself as an attorney and counselor at law in an upright and courteous manner to the best of your learning and ability with all good fidelity as well to the court as to the client 
and that you will use no falsehood or deceit, nor delay any person's cause for lucre or malice. So help you God. So you can't uh, have your cases linger on for all eternity and file a whole bunch of frivolous motions because you want to ring up your client's bill or because you're trying to wear down the other side as one concept that's covered in this oath. It's an allegiance to all that is promised and protected and held sacred in our constitution, as well as that underlying notion that attorneys represent clients, that they are there to further justice. Their job is to be part of that administration of justice. The New York State Constitution, Article 8, Section 1, uh, requires that each person admitted to practice law in New York uh, by the New York Supreme Court rules must take the constitutional oath of office in open court. Uh, the New, New Jersey rules governing the courts of the state of New Jersey, it's Rule 1. 27 admission to practice law that no person shall be admitted as an attorney to the state without first taking the oath to support the constitution of the United States and the constitution of New Jersey. Uh, the Florida oath for admission to the state bar has the same. You start off. I do solemnly swear. I will support the constitution of the United States and the constitution of the state of Florida, Texas, same thing. It literally, within the first part of the first sentence, you're taking the oath to support the U.S. Constitution. Wisconsin Attorney's Oath of Admission to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin uh, starts with the support to the Constitution of the United States. And California, even where a whole bunch of crazy, unconstitutional uh, government overreach and, quite frankly, um, treasonous behavior in, in open public by government officials on a regular basis happens, even there. The business and professional code section of their laws, 6067, says that every person on his admission to practice law shall take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of California. And even the 2022 California Rules of Court, Rule 9.7, as an attorney, as an officer of the court, and then you continue on from there. So what does this all mean? Well, in any situation, but definitely in this theory, uh, this, this, this rumor, we must look to the supporting facts, the proof. So when I said earlier, as my example, I've always wanted to be a mermaid. If I just say that I'm a mermaid, does it make it true? Well, we need to look at the proof. Can I breathe underwater? No. Uh, do I have some sort of uh, tail or fins or anything of that nature? Or do I have two separate legs capable of moving me around on uh, areas of land, on bodies of land? Yeah, it's the latter. I have legs. I walk upright. I'm not swimming around in the ocean. So even if I declare and post all over the internet that I am a mermaid, I am in fact a mere human being. And uh, that's what the facts support. So 
regardless of whether you think attorneys are doing a good job, that's not an issue here. It doesn't matter if you think attorneys are by and large not abiding by their oath or they are not doing their job to um, further the administration of justice. If they're not doing their duty to uh, protect and inform the public, I agree, but that's not the issue. I totally agree with those with those sentiments, with those with those facts. I think there's enough facts to support that. Uh, so we need to remember that attorneys do have a duty to protect and inform the public. But let's look at what the laws, what the rules, what the Constitution actually says. What do the facts support? The facts don't support me being a mermaid. The facts don't support. Uh, U.S. licensed bar attorneys being a, a secret member to this British accreditation registry or having some sort of secret allegiance or oath to the crown of England. Not a thing. Definitely not a thing. So hopefully you can now understand, and I will add back in our screenshot uh, what, uh, this is what the bar as, uh, the British accreditation registry really is, which has nothing to do with attorneys, let alone attorneys in the United States. Uh, but hopefully you will take a look at those Michigan rules of professional conduct, uh, the rules concerning the state bar of Michigan, the rules regulating the Florida bar, including the part that starts off the Supreme court of Florida by these rules establishes the authority and responsibility of the Florida bar an official arm of the court. What does that mean? Judicial officer. What does that mean? Constitutional oath required by the United States constitution, article six. So in fact, what clause is it? Um, Yes, it is Clause 3. The United States Constitution, Article 6, Clause 3. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this constitution. And lo and behold, that is the very language that you see for uh, attorneys that have been admitted to practice in uh, federal courts as well as uh, state courts. So um, I do hope you'll check out these resources. Um, like I mentioned, um, that frequently asked questions on the Florida bar, I just thought I had some good uh, places that you can click around and see different aspects, different pieces of history, what their purpose is. But if you click on the bottom here, there's the link to oath of admission to the Florida bar. And it has the entire oath that you have to say, but um, it starts off that I will support the constitution of the United States and the constitution of the state of Florida. And I think that says it all. I think that truly says it all. So um, my get involved challenge for this week, the thing that I am, yes, indeed, challenging you to do this very week is to find the oath of admission for attorneys in your state. Now, if you live in Michigan or Florida, 
I guess you lucked out. You don't have to do much work because I essentially gave that to you. But find the oath of admission for your state, wherever you are, and read the entire oath. Not all the rules. I'm not saying read all the rules, but read the oath that attorneys have to say when they are in the courtroom and getting sworn in. What are the words that they have to uh, swear to or affirm? Read that entire oath and really understand what each attorney is required to do in your state. Now, here's something I'm going to throw in just for those of you who are uh, catching us live right now, and I'm not going to put this in any later posts this week, most likely, but I'm going to challenge you that if you apply this to your state attorney general, especially with what's been happening all through 2020, 2021, and 2022, we are learning more and more about who our state attorney general is and what they stand for, what their positions on various freedom issues is. So more than in any other decade, I would say, quite frankly, more people now can identify, for example, that Michigan State Attorney General is Dana Nessel. People all over the U.S. have heard her, know who she is. But I would challenge you to use our challenge of the week to find the oath of admission for attorneys in your state and to really read every word of the oath and then think about your state attorney general. Are they abiding by that oath or are they not? And if you live in a state where your state attorney general is abiding by their oath, contact that office in whatever way you can, whether it's on social media or by email, phone, if you live nearby, stop in, write them a letter, tell them how much you appreciate as a resident of your state, that you appreciate that they are abiding by their oath of office. And on the flip side, if you have a state attorney general, like um, Dana Nessel, but that's my, you know, my own opinion. You can form your own thoughts on that, uh, who absolutely refuses to abide by their oath of office, let alone any concept or word in the whole constitution, state or federal, then contact your attorney general's office and let them know you are displeased that they can't figure out how to follow that oath of office. Better yet, you might even decide to report your state attorney general to your uh, attorney grievance commission in whatever uh, title that that group might go by. But uh, if, you, if you Google your state, Minnesota, California, Texas, wherever you live, uh, and attorney grievance, you will find how to report a grievance against an attorney. And then use the wording of the actual attorney oath to explain what it is, how your state attorney general has gone afoul of that oath. That's my um, anteed up, so to speak, challenge for the week. So uh, let me see if there are any questions that I could answer really quick. Um, Yes. Uh, well, there's a comment on Facebook today about the doctor's oath to do no harm. Yeah. Wow. We have seen them totally throw that out the window in 2020 through now. Um, uh, 
Yep. Um, let's see. Okay, so all right. Wonderful. Okay, so I think that we've covered everything. There's uh, some requests for upcoming topics. If you think that there is a topic out there that is um, urgent, pressing, important enough to cover in an episode and that we have not yet covered it, uh, please feel free to let us know and we will do our best to have that included in an upcoming episode uh, or potentially depending on what it is, we might do a, a separate video about that. Um, but, uh, well, there's 52 weeks in a year, so um, we will be doing at least uh, 50 to 52 videos this year. And we, of course, want to educate you on the things that you really need to know in order to protect and secure your own freedom and the freedom of your family members, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, so um, please do let us know if you think there's a topic that we uh, should check into and we will do our best to see if we can fit it in and uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, if we get too flooded with uh, suggestions, though, we may have to, of course, take those uh, as they come and uh, we'll get to it eventually. But um, we do want to thank you for joining us today. And um, uh, again, I would remind you to sign up for our weekly newsletter and uh, take advantage of our Restore Freedom Constitution app on your Apple app or Google Play stores. Uh, there is uh, the, the U.S. Constitution and the Michigan State Constitution uh, on there right now that you can highlight or bookmark in sections. But uh, we are definitely looking to expand our Constitution app and make some significant improvements so uh, please uh, make sure to download it. And if you have any app building experience and want to volunteer to help us expand that and get it out to even more people, please let us know because we have definitely some fixes we need to make in there. And I need a more user-friendly experience on my end, as well as for uh, the people that are downloading it and using it on a regular basis. Uh, thank you so much to all of you who support the work that we're doing. And uh, we look forward to continuing to partner with you in this fight for freedom. Thank you very much and have an absolutely wonderful week.